Well, today we come to Genesis chapter 36. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Here we will see the genealogy of Esau. And I know it's unusual, but I will not be reading through this entire chapter today. We will simply skim about four verses and then move on and look at some other scriptures this morning. But let's go ahead and get started with verse 1 here. It says, now this is the genealogy of Esau, who is Edom. Now, just as a refresher, in case you have forgotten, I'll go over a few things with you here about this man, Esau. We know that he was the twin brother of Jacob, whom we also have come to know as Israel in our studies thus far. Esau was born to Isaac and Rebekah. He was the firstborn of the twins. He was an outdoorsman, a hunter. His father loved the game that Esau would hunt and cook for him. Uh, Esau was, I guess you could say, a man of this world in that he didn't care, he didn't seem to care much for spiritual things. And he sold his, we saw that in the fact that he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. You see, since Esau was the firstborn, he automatically held what was called the birthright. And this was uh, an honor that, would, that was given to him um, which would have given him, I should say, the status of head of household and also the right to inherit the bulk of his father's estate. He would actually receive a double portion of whatever was passed on by his father. But again, Esau sold his birthright, as we have studied in the past. And in this, we see a man that was more fixated on the temporal, the here and the now, rather than the things that would be a blessing to his family and his people in the future. And in our studies thus far, we've also seen where Esau lost the blessing of his father as a result of a trick that his brother pulled on their father, and this was masterminded by their mother, Rebekah. But we talked about this, and in Genesis chapter 25, 23, we saw where God had actually said that Esau would be a servant to his younger brother. So this worked out just the way that it was supposed to in God's plan. Uh, and Jacob would have been wrong in, in God's plan if he would have given the blessing to Esau and not to Jacob. Okay? This was not what God had planned. It wasn't planned to work out that way. Now, one thing I'll point out to you here as well is that a blessing and a birthright are not one in the same thing. Again, he sold his birthright. He was tricked out of, it, out of the blessing. Um, a blessing would be similar to our modern day last will and testament. And a blessing could have been given to any son, no matter what the birth order was. So that's the difference there. But there was supposed to be a greater blessing, though, that was given to the elder son. And we saw in Genesis 27 that Esau begged his father for some kind of blessing from him. And he did, it, it did indeed end up receiving a blessing from his father, but it was a lesser blessing than what his brother Jacob had received. 
And as a result of all this, Esau would then desire to kill his brother Jacob, but this was not to happen. And the two of them would uh, live out their lives. And eventually we saw where they did get back together. And so again, that's just a a brief refresher on this man Esau here. Um, As we see a chapter here that is dedicated primarily to his genealogy. But what we see here in verse 1 is a statement made that says that Esau is Edom. And if you look down at verse 8 and verse 19 here in this same chapter, you'll see it mentions that same fact again. Esau is Edom. Also, all the way down in the last verse of uh, chapter 43, if you were to go there, it says that um, Esau, I'm sorry, in verse 43 of this chapter, actually, it says that Esau was the father of the Edomites. So what does all that mean? Okay, well, the name Edom in Hebrew is a word that means red, like the color red, right? And Esau's name was later changed to Edom. And if you remember back when we studied Genesis chapter 25, we saw where Esau, when he was born, he came out very red in color, the scripture tells us. However, his parents didn't name him Eden or red at that time. Instead, they named him Esau, which means hairy, right? Because he was covered with a lot of hair at his birth. But the name Edom seemed to fit his character better. Because again, he would sell his birthright for a bowl of stew. And Genesis 25 also tells us that stew that he sold his birthright for was red stew. So the name Edom seemed to fit his character and the way he lived. And you see, to you and me today, this might seem, might, might not mean a whole lot, but back in those days, your name meant a lot, right? Your name typically ended up fitting your character or had something to do with the way that you would be used by God in this life. Today, our society doesn't pay much, much attention to God in our lives, but this shouldn't be the case, of course, for professing Christians, but it is the case for the world as a whole. But we don't see people today doing this sort of thing in our society, but nor do we see too many people caring about what God wants for their child in this life either. Most people just raise their children today in, a, in what I call a poke and a hope fashion. You know, they just hope that they work out okay with no foundation being formed in that child's life or no, you know, nothing being laid on solid ground in in that life, right? But again, the name Edom here fit well with this man Esau. He was a, a man of the flesh, a man not concerned with spiritual things. And there would be a large group of people that would come from Esau slash Edom. And those people would go on to be called the Edomites. And here in this chapter, we see a list of the names of these Edomites. But what I want to do uh, is to talk to you not about their names this morning, but rather just to take some time to show you some scriptures on what this group of people were known for, for what they have done throughout history back in this day. So if you look down at verse 6 here in this chapter, 
We are told that Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his household, his cattle and all his animals, and all the goods which he had gained in the land of Canaan, and went to a country away from the presence of his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to dwell together, and the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau dwelt in Mount Seir. So Israel and Edom, the brothers we see here, would again separate. They would go their separate ways. And the physical reason was that their people and their possessions were too great for them to dwell too close together. If you remember, we saw the same situation with Abraham and Lot, right? But that was the physical reason that they separated. The spiritual reason for them to separate according to God was that this land, that the promised land, was not to belong to the descendants of Edom, but rather it was to belong to the descendants of Israel. We know that because we can fast forward through the Bible and read that. And even though this man Edom was very materially rich, I guess you could say he was blessed in in that manner according to this life, but God was not going to be pleased with the descendants of Edom, with the descendants of Esau, the Edomites. God was not going to be pleased with them. And again, I want to take some time here this morning to show you some reasons why God was not pleased with them. Let's first turn in our Bibles now to the book of Numbers. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, then Numbers. Numbers chapter 20. Here we will see a record of something that happened when the children of Israel had been brought out of captivity or escaped out of captivity from Egypt by the man Moses, right? So Numbers chapter 20 here, and and looking down at verse 14, it says, Now Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. So there's the people group that we're talking about here this morning, Edom, right? The Edomites. The messengers of Moses continue here in verse 14, and and they say, Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that has befallen us. Now, pause briefly right there, because I want you to keep this in mind. These two people groups are brothers. Why? Why would the Israelites and the Edomites be called brothers? Well, because they were both descendants of the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. And we see here recorded in Numbers that the people of Israel are now seeking help from their brethren, the Edomites. So they say here, you know all the hardship that has befallen us, verse 15, how our fathers went down to Egypt and we dwelt in Egypt a long time and the Egyptians afflicted us and our fathers. When we cried out to the Lord, we, he heard our voice and sent the angel and brought us up out of Egypt. Now here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your border. Okay, so 
Pause again right here for a moment because you get the picture here. The children of Israel during the Exodus, they're on the move and they're just outside of Edom and they are about to ask the king for permission to pass through his territory, to pass through his city here, right? Verse 17, please let us pass through your country. We will not pass through fields or or vineyards, nor will we drink water from wells. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. Then Edom said to him, you shall not pass through my land, lest I come out against you with a sword. So the children of Israel said to him, we will go by the highway, and if I or my livestock drink any of your water, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. Then he said, you shall not pass through. So Edom came out against them with many men and with a strong hand. Thus, Edom refused to give Israel passage through this territory, through his territory. So Israel turned away from him. So this is a big strike here against Edom. Okay, a big no-no. You are messing with God's chosen people. The people from whom would ultimately come and descend the Messiah, the Savior of all mankind, Jesus Christ. Now, you may remember when we studied Uh, Genesis chapter 12, that God said to Abraham regarding him and his descendants, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And this indeed was not a good thing that Edom had done here to God's people. But you know, something else is coming to my mind right now, uh, something that I had read recently. You see, if you fast forward in time, you know, hundreds of years from the time we're reading about here, and you come all the way up to the time of the Holocaust with Adolf Hitler, those years, right? During that time, the children of Israel, the Jews, were trying to escape extermination, and they were constantly being refused help. Um, There was a ship in 1942, a ship called Struma, It was carrying 769 Jewish refugees. Jewish officials at that time, much like we see here them doing with uh, the king of Edom, right? They were pleading for help, but they were pleading at that time for help from Great Britain to allow them to bring these Jews that were on this ship safely to the Holy Land. And the British refused them the right to land there And all 769 of those Jews perished when that ship uh, sunk. And you see, there once was a time when it was said of the British Empire that the sun never sets on the British Empire, right? They, They owned so much of the world. They had so much territory. But just a few years after them turning this ship away, beginning in 1945 and going on to 1965, from 1945 to 65, the British Empire would go from ruling over 700 million people in the world all the way down to only ruling over 5 million people in the world. Just three short years after refusing 
to help the Jews. In 1946, Great Britain would have to borrow $4.3 billion from the United States of America just to try and stay afloat. And do you know that it wasn't until 2006 that they finally paid off that loan? The last installment on that loan was paid. Now, some may say, well, what does that have to do with the Jews? That's all just coincidental, right, that that took place. Well, think what you will, but the truth of the Word of God is that God will bless those who bless them and curse those who curse them. And to the contrary of Great Britain, the United States, under what was called the Truman Directive, would open its doors to the Jews. But unfortunately, it seems today that U.S. support for Israel is waning under our current government, right? And we need to pray for our nation, and, and not only for that reason, but just for moral st- stability as a whole of this nation, but also pray for Israel, okay? But let's now um, turn further to the right in our Bibles, and let's find the book of Second Chronicles. Find it after First and Second Kings. You'll find um, First and Second Chronicles. We're going to look at Second Chronicles, chapter twenty-one. This chapter here speaks in regards to a man named uh, Jehoram, who was king of Israel during this time. So 2 Chronicles 21, and uh, starting down in verse 8. It says, In his days the Edomites, everybody there? In his days, the Edomites revolted against Judah's authority and made a king over themselves. So Jehoram went out with his officers and all his chariots with him, and he rose by night and attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him and the captains of the chariots. Thus, Edom has been in revolt against Judah's authority to this day. So here we see that the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, the brother of Israel, had risen up against Israel and Israel responded and attacked them. But the people of Edom, the Edomites, would just continually time and time again rise up and revolt against the people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob. It just continued to happen throughout history. And it seems today that some things never change, right? There's always an attack and and Israel has to defend themselves. Now let's stay in 2 Chronicles here and turn to chapter 28. And here in chapter 28, some years have gone by now. And now the king of Israel at this time is a man named Ahaz. Okay, and if you look down at verse 16 and 17, 2 Chronicles 28, starting in verse 16, 
At the same time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria to help him. For again, the Edomites had come, attacked Judah, and carried away captives. So just once again, we see the Edomites having risen up, risen up against Israel and attacked them. Uh, there always was and are still today people groups that are hostile toward Israel. And the descendants of Israel uh, believe that, or the descendants of Esau, I should say, the Edomites believe that they were cheated in some way. But in reality, we know the truth from Scripture. And the truth is, is that it was God's plan that from the Jews, from the Israelites, would come the redemption of mankind. And in the pages of Scripture is where we can follow this plan of God and watch it <coughs> unfold all the way through, through the Bible. And you know, just a little side note here. Um, you, you may want to be cautious about what you hear from the mainstream media today. We need to be careful as followers of Jesus, followers of the Word of God, that we do not let ourselves be deceived uh, regarding the Israel-Palestinian conflict that still continues on to this day, because there's some very skewed reports on that, and you need to be a student of the Word of God and, and understand what God's plan really is, right? Um, both history and the future, quite frankly, both history and the future are recorded in the pages of our Bibles, right? And the nation of Israel today is actually only the size of the state of Maryland. Um, I want to show you something here. Here's a, a two scale, kind of give you a picture, kind of to scale. This is the, the land owned by the Jews, the Israel. This is the land owned by the Arabs, the Arab nations. Some of these want them to give up more of that. <laughs> okay, again, this is the, the size of, of Maryland. So it just kind of puts things in perspective. You know, when you think about this whole conflict and, and wanting them to give up the land, it, it, you kind of look at this and you say, well, that's ridiculous, you know. But again, so you got to be careful what you, what you hear, you know, what's being reported, right? And uh, the descendants of Esau have far more land today than the descendants of Jacob slash Israel. And the land that Israel does have is their land. It is the promised land. Um, and it's kind of amazing today that other countries have the nerve to tell Israel that they should give something up, give some of that up, right? Or to condemn them when they defend themselves against the attacks, right? When it comes to the land and the people of Israel, it's, it's really not a human rights issue. It's a human survival issue because everyone, the, the, all the land around them wants them wiped off the face of the map and wants to drive them into the sea, right? And, and they're the ones that have just been simply trying to survive the attack. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to paint a picture of a perfect people because none of us are that, nor are they. Okay, but I'm just looking at this from 10,000 foot view and saying what we have to realize about what really is going on over there. 
they're, 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 Israel is, is a secular nation in, in many ways, just as the United States is. But I'm saying to get a, a grasp of, of the whole thing and to the truth of the matter, right? And if some, like I said, if some nations on the face of the earth today had their way, the Jews would have no place to dwell at all, okay? They would be driven into the sea, right? And there are nations that still to this very day promise to do that to the Jews someday, right? But it's nothing new. It's, it's been this way almost since the beginning of time. But I want to show you now a prophecy written about the Edomites, okay? The descendants of Esau. And the Old Testament book of Obadiah is dedicated to that, a prophecy about that nation, that group of people. So go ahead and find that. If you need to take a moment to find it in the index of your Bible, we're looking for Obadiah. It's kind of a difficult book to find. There is, um, and while you're finding now, I'll just tell you that in the book of Second Chronicles, it's recorded there, there are several plunderings or besieges that came upon Jerusalem, the holy city that belongs to Israel. There were plenty of times that it was attacked and just destroyed and, and, and picked, picked over, I guess you would say. And the Edomites were a group of people that participated in each one of those plunderings. And if you want to make a note and go and, and read it later, you can find what I'm talking about in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, 25, 28, and 36. It talks about all these times that, that uh, the city of Jerusalem was plundered by these people. Second uh, Chronicles 21, 25, 28, and 36, okay? And the Edomites were always happy to attack the people of Israel at the drop of a hat, okay? But here in Obadiah, there is a prophecy about what will happen to the people of Edom, right? The descendants of Esau. And starting in verse 1, it says, The vision of Obadiah, this is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks, and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Okay, now let's pause right there. Edom as a country does not exist today. And that we'll see is a result of them continually coming against Israel. And that's what this prophecy is about. But back in Bible times, Edom was a rocky terrain in the mountains located southeast of Israel. So as verse 3 says there, they were a people that lived in the clefts of the rocks and made their home in the heights. Now if you picture, just as an example, a man like um, Osama bin Laden, 
how hard he was to find and how he would hide in the rocks and live in the hills and live in the clefts of the rock. Picture that type of a, a situation where these people lived. And, and they were a proud slash arrogant people, as we see here in these verses, that thought that nothing would bring them down. And they were always a nemesis to Israel. And verse 4 continues and says, Though you soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Okay, so that's the huge thing for us to take note of here. The Lord declared that He was going to bring them down. Verse 5, If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau... So, so notice the, the Lord's call, what He calls them there. He calls them Esau. Because again, the people of Edom were the descendants of Esau. That's what we saw back in Genesis 36. Esau is Edom, right? But verse 6 here tells us that Esau, Edom, will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. Verse 7, all your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau. Your warriors, Teman, will be terrified and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. So there you see the reason that Edom is no more in existence. Because of their violence against Israel. Because of their violence against their brother Jacob. Let's read on verse 11. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. So do you see what the Lord is saying here? Edom did nothing to help their brethren. And again, if you go read Second Chronicles, those chapters I've mentioned, they, they also participated. But here he says they, they stood aloof. And by doing nothing, they were indeed doing something. You know, and that kind of reminds me of my, our nation today. When we sit back, when the people of God sit back and do nothing, we're actually doing something. And it's not good. And we're allowing our nation to decay and be destroyed. But anyway, verse 12, You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people. Do you see that there? The Lord is calling Israel His people. Okay, He points that out. This is my people. The Lord says here, verse uh, 13, You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. You see, all of these things being listed here are actually all of the things that Edom did 
or did not do against Israel. Verse 15, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. So I'm sure you get the point here. Esau slash Edom never should have messed with God's chosen people. God had a plan for them. It says there in verse 18, Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. In coming chapters, we will be reading about Joseph and how God used him in a mighty way despite what others did to him. And I'm not going to belabor the point here this morning because again, I'm sure you understand what is being pointed out here in the Word of God. The descendants of Esau would go on to be a nemesis and always against God's people, the Jews. Uh, And if you'd like, you can later go back and read the entire genealogy of Esau as recorded in Genesis 36. And you can also take some time to read Ezekiel chapter 35, uh, verses 3 through 9. It gives more detail on the destruction of Edom. But I'd like to close this morning by giving you some practical things to think about in regards to what we've talked about here this morning. You see, the people of God had enemies. We've seen that here this morning. The Messiah, Jesus, when He came into His ministry here on the earth, He had enemies too. Um, If today you choose Jesus, in other words, you decide to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, Jesus, you come to the point where you realize that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's plan to redeem mankind, then you will have enemies as well. It's just the way it goes when you're not of this uh, world, right? You see, as we study Genesis, we're all the way back in the beginning. Um, We're really just scratching the surface of all that God has revealed to us in His Holy Word. That's why I encourage you strongly to make it a point to read the Bible on your own and not just what we do here on Sunday mornings because we only can touch so little of it here, right? And it's also great just to sit and listen to teachings like, like we're doing, but because the Lord has a place for that in His body. But like I said, I just really encourage you to read the Bible on a daily basis. Uh, Begin a plan to go through the entire New Testament. Find the Bible on CD for your car or something like that. Download an app for your phone. Fall asleep to the Word of God playing in your room at night, right? Because Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it's important that we continue to grow in our faith, increase our faith in the Lord, and walk more and more in accordance with His Word, right? But again, just as God's chosen people had enemies, and, and Jesus came, who came to fulfill everything, He had enemies. 
there's an enemy to our souls today as well. Romans 7.23 says that there is a war against our minds that wants to bring us into captivity to sin. And the, Israel, the Israelites have always had to fight for their survival in the physical sense. And Jesus had to, to stay the course that was laid out for him. The disciples of Jesus had to fight the fight of faith. And we today, the modern day disciples of Jesus, must fight the same kind of fight. Ultimately, we know that the victory is ours in Jesus Christ, but in the meantime, there is a battle to fight. It's a battle between walking in sin and walking according to the desires of our flesh, the desires of our mind, right? We need to walk in the Spirit and we need to live in obedience to the Word of God. But God is for us. And in the end, if we stay the course, we know we win. The enemy of our souls will be defeated, and the details of that are written at the end of our Bibles in the book of Revelation. And if you are following Christ and you're living with a desire to be His disciples, then there will be uh, fleshly enemies pestering you. Okay? And it could be your own flesh that pesters you. right? But there is an enemy. That's why fighting uh, the faith is a fight, right? And there may be other human beings that may come against you because of your faith. But just know that you're in good company. Because Jesus told us how to handle those people. He said to love your enemies. He said to pray for them. And I have found that um, out of obedience to Romans 16, 17, it says that there, there are people sometimes that you just simply need to avoid because they're living contrary to what you believe, to what you know. But whatever the situa situation, again, no matter the enemies, no matter who comes against us, just like we see with Esau and, and Edom and, and those people, ultimately God's people win. Ultimately, the victory is ours, right? As followers of Jesus Christ. And one other thing I'd just like to briefly share with you this morning, and that is the fact that one life, one life can have such a tremendous impact. Okay? And to drill down onto that fact even further, your life has a tremendous impact. And each and every person on the face of this earth presently living or whoever has, or ever has lived, we all must consider the state of our souls. And when you trim it all back and you get down to the root of our lives, we have either lived in the nature of our flesh, our, kind, our carnal minds that is, or we have lived in Christ. It really does just boil down to those two things. To be in Christ means that we're spiritually minded. And to be carnally minded means we're walking in the flesh. We're not walking in Christ. Esau slash Edom, this man that we've talked about, is an example for us of a man and a people that walked in the flesh. And there's an Esau that we all must deal with in our own lives. This is why we must be born again. This is why we must die to ourselves daily and take up the cross. And we must put off the old man and we must put on the new man. Ephesians 4.22 tells us that we need to put off concerning our former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to 
deceitful lust. Do you see there's a growth process in that? It, you, you can grow corrupt according to deceitful lust. And think about that. It, it, it doesn't say just very plain and clear to see lust. It's deceitful lust. It creeps up on us. And it just wants to get us off track. And there's an enemy to our souls that wants to fight for that place. Romans 13 12 says the night is far spent the day is at hand therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light so there's something to cast off and there's something to put on you see Romans 5 10 tells us that we were once enemies of God but we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ so we cast off the darkness we put on the light. We cast off the old man. We put on the new man. Again, because our lives do indeed have an impact. The legacy that we leave behind will either be a legacy of light with Jesus Christ as our Lord or a legacy of darkness with our flesh ruling everything. And before we close in prayer, I'd like to just again take a moment and speak to those that are not in attendance with us here this morning, but listen worldwide via the internet. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can contact me personally via email at pastordave at aloveoutreach.com. You can find us on Facebook at a love outreach, or you can, um, we'd love to help you grow in the knowledge of the Lord or answer any questions you may have. So, Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your spirit, God. Thank you again. Your Holy Spirit teaches us as our comforter, our counselor, the one who leads and guides us through this life. Lord, where would we be without you? We'd be lost. Our souls would be eternally lost. And I pray, Lord, that as your people, as followers of Jesus, that, Lord, we would desire more and more to walk in your way because there is no other way but you, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And, Lord, you offer us abundant life, but yet we know that the thief, the enemy, comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. We see that picture in Esau and the Edomites, how they constantly were plundering from your people and destroying. But yet, ultimately, Lord, we know that the victory is yours. The victory is in Jesus Christ. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. So Lord, we need you. We need you every hour, every day of our lives. I pray, Lord, that as we go forth into a new week, that your will would be done in each one of our hearts and minds, and that we would just continue to grow in, in, in the grace and in the knowledge of you. Again, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.